today on Anchored in the Word. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's right. Amen to that. No more looking through a glass dimly. No more having to fight the flesh. Our future is so glorious. And what makes it so glorious is that we shall always be with the Lord. You know, Jesus promised his disciples when he left. John 14, 2. Let not your heart be troubled. This is Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. As a believer, you have eyes to see when it seems like the world is falling apart. If you have the Lord in your heart, then you have hope. As Pastor Bill teaches about what the Bible says about the end times, we'll find that Christians have a unique perspective when it comes to death because we know that there is a hope and a future beyond this earth. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now, here's Pastor Bill with today's edition of Anchored in the Word. I remember one time I was teaching a class and uh, we decided in this class all together that we were going to come on a holiday because, you know, it was a Bible class. I had the keys to the building because I was a pastor there, and you know, and it was okay. So we come in. Well, guess what? They turned all the air conditioning off. I mean, it was really hot in there. And so I get up at the beginning of the thing, and you know, trying to, you know, make light of the situation. I said something about hell. I made a reference to hell, and it was everybody giggled, and I was convicted immediately. Have never done this since. Hell is not a laughing matter. It's really not. Because if we laugh about it, we take it lightly. Oh, yeah, we're not going there if we believe in Jesus. But guess what? A lot of other people are. And it's no laughing matter. It's not a laughing matter to ever laugh about hell. But it's a real place. Jesus died so that we would have hope and wouldn't go there. But now he's talking about those that have fallen asleep that knew Jesus. Where do they go? What happens to them? They're going to miss the rapture. No, don't worry about them. They're going to have some fun, too. Let's look at what it says in verse 14. He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, by the way, to be a Christian, you must believe that in the resurrection. For if we believe that Christ died, he's not on the cross anymore. That's a wrong rendition of Jesus. He is not on the cross. He was on the cross. He died. He was taken off the cross. He was put in the grave. He's not in the grave. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's resurrected. Paul said, if the resurrection didn't happen, We are to be pitied above all men. We're fools if the resurrection didn't happen, because that means, guess what, that we're not going to live. There's no life after death. If there's no life after death, you know what we should be doing right now? We're wasting our time. Let's go out and have some fun out there in the world like everybody else is doing. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you cease to exist. That's what Paul said regarding the resurrection, if it's not true. But he believed it was true, and so do I. And that's what the scriptures teach. And he says, 
Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. The first reference to those that have died in Christ. When Jesus comes back, he's going to bring those people with him, which would fit with the scripture that we have. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So that's where we believe the people that have died have gone. To be with Jesus. They're with Jesus. And they're going to come back. And then he says in verse 15, or the second part, For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Now, keep this in mind. They were living in a state of imminence. They believed that Christ was going to come back any moment. When he ascended that day into heaven in the book of Acts, it says that the disciples were there, and, and he was just, by the way, that's like a rapture-like thing when Christ just kind of ascended up into the clouds in his body that he had, in his new body. And they looked at him going up, and, and the angel said to him, well, men clothed in white, what are you looking up here for? That same Jesus will return in like manner. Key word there, by the way, is clouds. And then we'll see that as we go through with the rapture. Because some people confuse the second coming of Jesus when he sets down his foot down on the earth, and then the rapture when he comes back in the clouds. There's two different things. Some people call it a two-part return of Christ, because in a sense he is returning for his people in the rapture, part one. And then the part two is when he sets his foot down in Jerusalem, coming through the eastern gates. The stage will be, that's after the seven-year period on earth. It's going to be called the tribulation period. But this is what he's saying here in verse 15. That when the rapture happens, those that are alive, and they were looking for it at any time, they were ready for that to happen. He says, we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Don't worry, they're not going to have, we're not going to, they're not missing out on anything. They're not missing out. Look what he says. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now this is an interesting scripture. Because in one hand we're saying now to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. When the Lord comes back, he's going to bring those with him. Right? And now it seems like he's saying, well, they're coming from somewhere else now. They will rise first. We're thinking resurrection now getting resurrected bodies if you're alive. And so the idea of the graves will be emptied and somebody's going to rise up. Well, and this causes some, he calls it mystery. And uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15.50. Regarding the rapture of the church, 1 Corinthians 15.50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality." So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now, 
I do believe that the scriptures teach that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I do reject the teaching of soul sleep, which believes that a soul will be going to sleep in the, in the ground. By the way, that generally what goes with that, um, in other words, the bodies that we put in the ground, there's a soul that's sleeping. Death is separation from the soul and the body. That's what happens at death. Because the people that teach soul sleep, by the way, also teach something else with that, and that's annihilation. Which means that certain souls will be annihilated. In other words, there's no suffering in hell. That's another thing that kind of goes with soul sleep doctrine. That's not true either. That's not consistent with Scripture either. They can be divided, those two, but I'm just saying that we, we don't believe that. We don't believe in soul sleep. So what then about this in the ground? A couple things it could be. And I want to draw your attention to the word mystery. There is somewhat of a mystery to this thing. But let's see what we can figure out. It could be, because I believe that we have to hold on to the truth that we don't just go into the ground and we don't have a consciousness and we're sleeping until Jesus comes to get us. That's inconsistent with the rest of the Bible. So we believe when we take our last breath here, we take our first breath in heaven in the presence of the Lord. So what about it then? It could be this. And the teachings are that some people believe that you go to be with the Lord and you're given some kind of a body until that day of the resurrection when you'll be reunited with your old, believe it or not, old body, but it's going to be transformed. It's going to be changed. And, and that body, there'll be a resurrection literally of the bodies from the ground, what's ever left, and God will just somehow do something like that. The graves will be open and, and the, you'll get your um, resurrected body at that time, different from the one that the people have died and had gotten. That could be the case. Some people even believe that that the people that died before, I don't believe this, but some people believe that you're a disembodied Christian until the resurrection happens. That's another view that some people have. Some people believe that there is no necessarily bodily resurrection, that in a Christian you die, and then your spirit goes to, and you're given this, this uh, new body, the same one you'll have on the day of the, of the rapture, but you're already there before them. And then what's being talked about here is, it's the verbiage being used, but it means the same thing they say of, in other words, the resurrection happens when a Christian dies. That's his resurrection. He's resurrected in that time. And some very credible people believe that. I hold to the view that there's going to be a bodily resurrection and that we'll be not disembodied spirits, but we have some kind of a body in the presence of the Lord before the rapture happens. But I'm holding to this, you know, that I'm going to be in the rapture someday. This thing's going to happen. It's not if it's going to happen, it's just when it's going to happen. Now, some people say, well, you know, rapture is not in the Bible. That word is nowhere found in the Bible. Now, in the sense that in this manuscripts that we have, no. But the Latin Vulgate, the word raptus is used, which means that's where we get our word rapture. So it is in the Bibles. It's in the Latin Vulgate. The idea is that word means to be snatched away, to be taken up, to be taken up. And we believe that that's going to happen. It's a question of when. And now we see that when this happens, it says that the dead in Christ will rise first. There's going to be this thing all happening together. By the way, there's one more view. And I really still can't figure out the, the way that it's all going to work. But consider this one. There's no time in heaven. God's outside of time. So we have to have a time frame of when things happen. Boom, boom, boom. You know, we got it laid out, right? This happens in that chronological thing. That doesn't happen in heaven. It's different there. Everything either happens at once, if that's the way to put it. Can you imagine life all at once? And it doesn't end, by the way. So you never die. 
It's just all at once happening. How does that work? That's heaven, I guess. It's outside of time. But if that were the case, if we can get our minds wrapped around this idea, we could see then that, how about this? Even though people have died 2,000 years ago, all right? They died 2,000 years ago, but they die. There's no soul sleep. They wake up in heaven, boom, boom, like it's like instantaneous, but we get there the same time they do. 2,000 years later. That could make sense, right? Outside of time. But who can think that way? We're such, we think chronologically because we're in time. We're constantly looking at our watches and everything else. But the idea is, it could be that as well. That could be another view that, that it could happen. We just all arrived there at the same time. And anyway, but the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then, verse 17, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Raptors shall be snatched up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The rapture is different from the second coming, is that Jesus comes back in the clouds. And not everybody's going to see him. The second coming, everybody's going to see him. The rapture, not everybody's going to see. The world's not going to, the world's going to be asking, what happened to those people? You know, and there's going to be a great deception the Bible talks about that comes on the world. They're trying to explain it away, whatever it comes, UFOs or whatever they come up with. Where did everybody go? But here's the good news. That we who are alive and remain, whoever that generation is going to be, and Paul thought it was him. We think it's us. And thus he says, and look at this, I've got this underlined in my Bible. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's right. Amen to that. No more looking through a glass dimly. No more having to fight the flesh. Our future is so glorious. And what makes it so glorious is that we shall always be with the Lord. You know, Jesus promised his disciples when he left. John 14, 2. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he says, so that where I am, you may be also. The promise from the Lord to his disciples, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Why do you think they were waiting? If you would have tried to tell one of his disciples it'll be 2,000 years at least till Jesus comes back, they would have thought, you're nuts. You're crazy. I don't believe you. Now, it hasn't been 2,000 years for them, remember? They only lived however long they lived. And then that was their personal rapture. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. They didn't wait 2,000 years. But the idea is we can look back in history now. And by the way, we haven't waited 2,000 years either. None of us. I don't see anybody in here that getting near 2,000 yet. No. So we don't have to wait that long. But how much time can we have left? Look around. We're living in a time where the Bible said that wicked will be perceived as good, and good will be perceived as evil. And you're thinking, how can that be? That's absurd, even the thought of that. It's happening around us. And I'm going to tell you, saints, I'm going to tell you, if, if the Lord tarries a little bit longer... The handwriting's on the wall. 
unless there's a huge revival or a great awakening, it can happen to stem the tide of evil for a time. That can happen. God's done it through history. But if it doesn't happen, how much longer do you think this thing's going to go on? And the persecution is going to happen to the Christians because we're standing in the way of the wickedness. We're the reminder. We're the light that shines into the darkness. It shines the light. We don't even have to say anything. We just have to exist. And it's shining light on all the wickedness. And, you know, they don't want to be in the light because their deeds are evil. And deep down inside, they know that. But our future, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Are you ready? Are you ready? If you're sitting here today and you're going, you know, I really don't want it to happen right now. Why not? What is it in this world? Are you, you're not retired yet? You haven't lived out your retirement dream yet? You know, somebody, we were talking about the American dream. Somebody brought this up yesterday in the men's study. The American dream. It's a nightmare. As it's laid out, it's selfishness. It's materialistic. It's short-sighted. It doesn't even make sense. To, you know, you, you save up all this pile of stuff until you get too old to enjoy it, really. I mean, that's not really the case. You know, you can find something to do. But the point is, that's short-sighted. We're living forever. We've got to think eternal when it comes to our existence. We shall always be with the Lord. This day is coming. What is it that's keeping you wanting it not to happen? Well, maybe some people, well, there's some people that aren't saved. Hey, listen, get over yourself. You're not the Savior. He's not going to come back to that last person that's going to say yes to Christ, says it, and then he's coming back. He's got that all worked out. That's his deal, not yours. So if, if you think you're not getting far enough and you're witnessing or whatever, you know, if you don't do it, you know, if you're being lazy with uh, your prayer or whatever, God will send somebody else. But the point is, his, it's his timing. He's just waiting for that last person. That, whoever that is, the last person will meet them in heaven. So you're the one. You're the last one that came to Christ in the church age. You know, they're going to, you know, pray the sinner's prayer. And, there's the horn, you know, whoa, you know, you know. Right? That, that, it's going to fit. But it's going to happen. And if we live with this thought on the forefront of our mind, it will change how we live. It's not that I'm afraid to die. I don't want to, it's how I'm going to die I'm thinking about. You know, what's going to, the process and this and that. I know God's going to be faithful. But, you know, I would just rather just go through the rapture. That sounds a lot more fun. To me. Or, like, you know, we could all do it together, you know, just kind of like, what, what was that going to be like? Whoa, we're just all going up at the same time, and that's going to be awesome. I believe that we're the generation that's going to experience that. But so is every other generation. But nobody's been as close as we have right now. We can say that. And the things that we're seeing, come on, the technology's here for the, the stuff that. Revelation said is going to take place. Jerusalem is there. Israel's back in the land. We see Russia back on the scene. I mean, just so many things, so many pieces of the puzzle. The stage is being set. We need to be ready for Christ's return. The stage is set. Christ is coming back. And we need to be ready for his return. 
rapture ready. But he has given us eyes to see what's going on in the world. Somebody came in to talk to Candace last week and was a little bit perturbed about what was happening in the world. They're seeing these things that are seemingly, you know, like sort of like a cattle going down a chute where they're headed for something that's not good. You know, they get them in there and they're seeing it. Well, God's given them eyes to see what's going on around us. That's why we're seeing these things. The world doesn't notice this stuff. Oh, they're all excited about, you know, end times, Nostradamus, right? And their ears perk up, but it's not the same thing. Christians have eyes to see, they have discernment to see the way things are heading. We don't know how it all maybe is going to end up, but here's the deal. Don't get upset about what you're seeing. Be excited by it. It just proves that the Bible is true. And if it doesn't happen in our generation, we were ready for it to happen. And we need to be. Even if the rapture doesn't happen in our generation, i got news for you. We are dying. That's it. We are. We're getting older. And that's going to happen. We'll have our personal rapture. But it's going to happen. And here's what it says in verse 18. Comfort one another with these words. It brings comfort. It should bring comfort to us if we have a right understanding of what's going on. Our Bible tells us that it gets us ready just knowing that the things are happening in the world. Don't worry. He's not saying prepare, dig yourself an underground bunker, put some food down there, get some weapons stored away. Who are you going to fight against? The Antichrist? I mean, you don't. That's fear-based. That's fear-driven. The Bible tells us to watch. Look up, for your redemption is near. The rapture of the church is real. We believe it's going to take place, and it could be at any moment. And the question that bears an answer is, are you ready for the rapture? If Christ were to come today, are you ready? How can we be ready? How can anybody be ready? Well, first you must receive Christ as your Savior. If you're in this place today, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins, if you've never repented, you need to do that. Because you're not ready for the rapture. You're not ready to die. Hell's a real place. And it's His heart that no one would go there. That's what he said. Jesus said, though, he said, narrow is the path to life, Jesus, and few find it. Wide is the path to destruction, and many enter therein. But it's not because God wasn't telling people. He was telling people. He was telling, again today, the gospel goes out. If you're a sinner, that means that you're not saved, you're separated from God. You're alienated from God. You're at war with God. You're at enmity with the Lord. And you have no peace with the Prince of Peace. So to be ready for the rapture, you've got to be saved. Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of 1 Thessalonians the next time you join us. You know, programs like Anchored in the Word can be a huge blessing that God uses in the lives of countless people. But we must always be careful about just hearing God's Word. Don't forget what James said. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. As you join us each day here on Anchored in the Word, it's our hope and prayer that you would not only hear God's word, but that you would also do God's word. 
that you would take the lessons that you're learning here on Anchored in the Word and apply them to your everyday life. And we want to help you to continue to apply God's Word to your life. We have resources to help you in this journey. Log on to anchoredintheword.com. There you'll find helpful tools that you can use as you study God's Word. Again, our web address is anchoredintheword.com. Or you can always give us a call. Our phone number here at Anchored in the Word is 732-544-2225. That's 732-544-2225. And don't forget to place a marker in your Bibles and join us again as Pastor Bill continues teaching through 1 Thessalonians. That's all the time we have for today. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Anchored in the Word. See you.